Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Glendale, Arizona. A loser 21-20 against the Seahawks. Matt Prater missed two field goals, including what would have been the game winner at the buzzer. Kyler went 22-30 for 262 and one touchdown. James Conner 150 yards rushing, but it wasn't enough. They finished the season 4-13. and 13. Head coach Jonathan Gannon. Told them in there, I'm proud of those guys. Um, you know, they fought all year, went through a lot of adversity, and um, and things are on the horizon. Now your 2024 opponents are set. They'll take on the NFC North and the AFC East and then three last place games. Washington, Carolina and Chargers are their future opponents. Friday, Suns beat Miami 113-97 behind Grayson Allen's 31 points on hitting nine three-pointers. And then Sunday, they embarrassed themselves. They blew the lead against Memphis and lost 121-15. They entered the fourth quarter with an 11-point lead and lost the quarter 35-18. Head coach, Frank Vogel. We just didn't execute well enough. We didn't play well enough for 48 minutes, honestly. We started the game strong. Um, we came in at halftime saying that uh, we didn't play our best basketball, but we were happy to have a five-point lead. But we didn't deserve to win tonight. That's true. Nurkic did have 18 points and 19 boards. Booker only had two shots in that fourth quarter. They now fly out to L.A. They take on the Clippers tonight at 8.30. Three-game losing streak. Lost 6-2 against Winnipeg yesterday for the Yotes. They were outshot 35-17. At one point, they were outshot 22-4. Head coach Andre Torini. I think we uh, we had a tough time to stay with it. I think we, uh, like like I said, they play really good. They're a really good team. They're not just a good team. They play maybe the best hockey in the NHL. So right now, they're one point out of a playoff spot. Not bad. The problem is there's three teams ahead of them in that chase for them to be able to get that playoff spot. Those teams are Edmonton and Seattle, and then, of course, uh, St. Louis. Let's go with the college game last night, or excuse me, over the weekend. Beat Colorado 76-73, ASU perfect 4-0 in the conference. Up next, at Washington Thursday night. Destroyed Utah 92-73, Caleb Love at 23 points. Improved to 12-3 on the season. They're at Washington State on Saturday. Canyon is 14-1, still perfect in the whack. They held on to win 75-65 at Utah Tech. McLaughlin had 23 points in that one. They're now home against Abilene Christian on Thursday night. Playoffs are set now for the NFL. Saturday, you got Cleveland at Houston, Miami at Kansas City. Sunday is the remaining AFC game, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Then it's Green Bay at Dallas Rams in Detroit. And the first ever Monday night game for the playoffs comes up Philly at Tampa Bay. College football, UW against Michigan. That's your championship game. It's in Houston tonight at 5.30. And finally, 
Oh, this is weird. Kind of sad. A man crashed his car into a Bass Pro Shops in Birmingham, Alabama. But then what he did is a little confusing. After the wreck, he got out of the car, took off all his clothes, ran into the Bass Pro Shops, and did a cannonball into the aquarium. He started swimming around and then stood under a water fountain as police arrived. In order to evade capture, he jumped back into the aquarium. Sir, the aquarium's glassed off. You, you, you can't get out. He eventually jumped out of the aquarium, fell naked onto the cement floor, and was arrested. <laughs> Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. We do have to give a tip of the cap to Las Vegas. If you think about this, it is crazy. They sat around a room last April and decided we'll set the over-under for Arizona Cardinals wins at four and a half. And the Cardinals get to four and they're looking at a last-second field goal. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. How are you? Hopefully you had a much better weekend than the Suns did. Okay, yes, they won on Friday, but oh, I am fired up about, about yesterday. It's also strange. It shows you how low the bar is for the Cardinals, just how many people were excited about a four-win team. The excitement is palpable for a four-win team. I mean, get jacked up. 
Uh, I'm, I'm not quite totally there with you, but yeah, get jacked up the way everybody else feels. Uh, hopefully your weekend went great. I way too cold to play golf on Friday and I was behind on a bunch of things. So uh, I worked most of the day Friday, and then it was funny, Friday night I could have done more work and just didn't feel like it. Just sat there, and I don't know why I do it. I have a, I have a disease. It's called movies on regular television when I even own the movie. Or I have a streaming service where I could watch it free, but now it's on regular uh, direct TV, so I just, oh, okay, I'll watch this. Up commercial, I'll flip it up. Oh, I'll watch this one. Up, oh, that's a commercial. Okay, I'll watch this one. There were like four decent movies on all at the same time Friday night. So I just sat there, did nothing but flip around. And then uh, Saturday worked most of the day, went out to dinner Saturday night, 100 Mile Brewing Company, had a good time with friends. And then Sunday was hardcore work yesterday. Uh, what about you? Uh, tomorrow, the return of Town Hall Tuesday. Uh, basically, there was a Town Hall Tuesday going into Christmas where I just forgot Town Hall Tuesday. And then I had the day off uh, for Town Hall Tuesday. And then last Tuesday felt like a Monday because it was January 2nd. So we haven't done Town Hall Tuesday in about a month. So we've got a lot of that coming up tomorrow. And uh, that's really it. I... I didn't have any crazy stories or anything happen in life to really dive into, and we have we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, anything happen I- exciting in your life, Jeff Weir Production? It's just way too cold to be in Arizona, man. Wow. Yes. Just nuts. It was, uh, for me, it, my, my car, I don't know how accurate it is, the car said 39 on the drive-in today. 39 degrees. We are 11 degrees below normal. Well over a foot of snow in the high country. Uh, I can't see Australia or the white tanks. I mean, I normally can, but not in the middle of the night. So I don't know if we had any snow on the west side on our peaks, but I did hear that Superstition and uh, even the McDowell Mountains had some snow on it. You know, it's funny. I've been out here for a couple of years now, and um, I haven't felt – you know when you car- – uh, people from this part of the country won't understand this, but – in Tennessee, when it gets really cold and it rains the day before, and your car gets iced over, mm-hmm. you have to scrape the ice off right, and everything. Right. But when you back out of the driveway, you can hear the ice kind of crunching on yeah, your car yeah. when your car bends and moves. I felt that this morning. I've never wow. felt that since I've been out here. Like the chunks of ice on my car were just kind of cracking and stuff as I backed oh. out of the driveway. I thought that was kind of funny because I haven't felt that since I was in Tennessee. That kind of scares me to think because I, I – I drove in like it was normal and uh, didn't see any ice issues or uh, anything like that on, on the drive-in. But, man, be careful. It's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy for us to have uh, weather like this. And it's not going away. That's what's even more shocking. It's here all week. We're going to have lows in the 50s, but or excuse me, highs in the 50s, but the lows won't make 40 degrees all week. That, and, and we just had a 78-degree Christmas. So we're two weeks out of a 78-degree Christmas. We've got that going on. All right, uh, sound credits today. azcardinals.com gave us the Kyler and Jonathan Gannon. We got Tommy Lloyd from the Arizona Wildcats YouTube page. Bobby Hurley from Sun Devil Source's YouTube page. And then the Coyotes were nice enough to send over Andre Torini. So we have the uh, from, from the PR department of the Coyotes to thank for that. And Booker Vogel and KD all spoke, and uh, boy, is it is it driving me nuts. They spoke thanks to the Suns PR department. Obviously, today's show is a ton of NFL, but 
after what I saw last night, we've got to start right there. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today. The question is always, is it time to panic for the Suns? No, it's not time to panic. It's time to be pissed off. There's a huge difference between those two things. The Suns had an 11-point lead last night going into the fourth quarter. They lost the fourth quarter 35-18. to So just last week, they couldn't muster up the energy or focus to play hard against the Clippers in the first quarter, and then were chasing their tail the whole time. And then in the fourth quarter, suddenly they became a turnover machine, bad shots, and Devin Booker only took two shots in the fourth quarter, and the Suns lose. Frank Vogel, what, what is your goal here? Are, are, you, are you trying to prove a point by losing? Is there a disconnect between you and the players? I ask this question because I don't understand why a coach would sit on his hands the entire fourth quarter and not say, you know what, we got to get book a shot. Two shots in the fourth quarter? Yes, it's true. Other teams don't want Booker to shoot. Yes, they're not good. the Suns are not playing solitaire. They've got to deal with five human beings who will stop them from doing what they want to do. But explain to me how a team that is not considered the juggernaut of all teams, a team that is one of the worst teams in basketball when John Moran is on the bench and he's hurt, and a team that is the worst three-point shooting team in basketball can get off like they did on your home court and stop you from getting to what you want to get to, Devin Booker shooting the basketball. How does that happen? Take a wild guess. Jeff Weir Production, I'm going to give you a trivia question here, and I want to see if you can get it. Okay. There are 30 teams in the NBA, okay? Okay. 30 of them. I would like to, for you to guess where the Suns rank in fourth quarter scoring this year. Oh, goodness. Dead last. They are number 30. Mm. Jeff Weir production, you win a prize. <laughs> I will bring you a nice set of pens from Costco tomorrow. All right. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes, sir. That, that's where we are. I, I, you can say, well, they've been hurt. They've been banged up. No, I don't care what they are. They're last place. They scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul and Devin Booker used to close people out in the fourth quarter all the time. And the line they would always say is, we know what we want to get to. And what that meant was they all had a great feel for what the defense was doing and then how they were going to react to that defense and how they were going to get to specific shots that went in the nature of that player's flow. And they did it all the time. Clearly, that's not what's happening. And they are not able to, they all know what they want to get to. They don't, they don't all know what they want to get to. And it reminds me a lot of the Miami Heat when they first had their magic threesome of Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, where they really struggled for a while until Dwayne Wade declared LeBron James the dude. Dwayne Wade was already a stud that led that team to a world championship with Shaquille O'Neal. Then when Shaq started bouncing around the end of his career, Dwayne Wade still held that team together as a solid team. 
And then when LeBron came in, everybody acted like, hey, this is D. Wade's team. D. Wade's been here the longest. And finally, Dwayne Wade said, quit saying it's my team. You step up. You're LeBron James. You go be LeBron James. And we'll all play off of you. I don't know if that's what's happening right now. But somebody has to step up and say, I'm the leader of the Phoenix Suns. No more of this, well, you, well, you, well, you. That's clearly the problem. There's a chemistry problem right now. It's not the type of chemistry problem where you've got to trade people away. It's not bad chemistry. It's just no chemistry. And you can say all you want, well, they've been hurt, well, this. Those are all excuses because there's two things that aren't happening. Or I should say there's, yeah, two things that are not happening. One is closeout defense to chase three-pointers off the line. And two, fourth-quarter ball movement. You do isolations because you only have one guy. That's why. Or if they have a horrific defender on the, on the court. That's the only reasons why you do iso ball. Now, a lot of teams do iso ball a lot. Why? Because they only have one good score. With the scoring, the Suns should have to their benefit. Why are we running so much ISO? Why is there just one guy standing there with the ball while four people watch? Move people, move the ball. You're hard to defend because you're all good. And lastly, Metu, you're not a fourth quarter shooter. Okay? From now on, if your name isn't Booker, Bradley, or KD, you do not shoot until there are 10 seconds left in the shot clock and you're forced to, or you're in the paint. Those are the two rules. Unless you're Grayson Allen for three the way he's hitting. Let's go. This Frank Vogel, you are, you are officially failing right now. No, the season isn't over. No, this isn't a panic. No, you don't need to trade the farm. No, you don't have to cut guys. It's none of that. It's just get your head out of your butt. There's a big difference between panic and being pissed off. And right now, no, not enough people are upset. I mean, Kevin Durant after the game was, well, you know, it's a make or miss league, and hey, they hit some three-pointers, and, you know, we just need more time. We'll be, you know, quit saying the excuses and accept the fact that you stink in the fourth quarter. You are the worst fourth-quarter team. The Detroit Pistons are laughing at you. Yeah, it's funny. And yet you want to make excuses for why it's happening? No, it's happening because nobody has stepped up to lead. Please let us know when you're prepared to start doing the job and then we'll start getting engaged as a fan base again and being excited about you. It's, that's bad. All right. I'll do actual sons that isn't just me trying to get stuff off my chest uh, later. But I think the number one story is the ending of the Cardinal season. And what I said in the intro is just hilarious to me on how good Vegas really is. Very, very early on, they set the over-under at three and a half. Quickly bumped it to four and a half. So four and a half is where the over-under for the Arizona Cardinals win total sat all year. So if you're not a gambler, don't worry about it, but it's really, really simple. The reason why you always use the half is to break the tie. It's called the hook. And therefore, you bet the Sun, or the Cardinals will either win four games or fewer or they'll win five or more. 
The reason why you always say Vegas isn't built on winners is is predictions like that by Vegas. That you're actually sitting there. If you bet Cardinals on the under or Cardinals on the over for four and a half wins, not only do they get to four wins at week 17, but in week 18, they've got a touchdown lead late in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. You're going to get your money. Then the Seahawks drive down, get a touchdown, because they're eliminated from the playoffs. Nobody wants to go into overtime in week 18 when two teams are playing out the string. So Pete Carroll decides to go for two. They go for two, and they get it. So now all of you that said the under, you've got it. And then for some reason the Seahawks decide there's no reason to play defense. They let them get down the field. Then Kyler Murray does the the same stupid thing he does all the time and takes a sack instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, protecting his O-line statistically, protecting the clock for his team and getting the ball out of bounds so they can run more plays and stopping the clock sooner. And he just runs out of bounds and takes a sack, lose two yards. Then James Conner loses two yards, and now you've got a 51-yard field goal where they take for granted from Matt Prater. He misses, and now all of you with the over who are sitting there thinking, if you kick this field goal, I've won a season-long bet. Ah, never mind. And all of you unders are now the winner when you thought, of course, Matt Prater's going to make that field goal. That's crazy how good Vegas is sometimes at – making predictions. Lots to talk about in this game and for the upcoming season next year. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's just start rolling with the thoughts of the people that were involved in the game. Here's Jonathan Gannon with his opening statement. Good football game versus good football team. Um, they made a couple more plays than we did to win the game. Um, I thought the first half, um, you know, we moved it pretty well. We need to score more points there. Uh, second half, put some points on the board. Defense played pretty good there. Gave up the touchdown at the end there, two-point play, got in position, but when as a team, loses a team. I told them in there, I'm proud of those guys. Um, you know, they fought all year, went through a lot of adversity, and um, then things are on the horizon. And uh, I told them, too. I said, I've never been more enthused going to an offseason in my life, so um, they're ready to come with me. A lot of positive feelings emanating from the Cardinals yesterday. I, I think I think it's the number one thing to be fair, and I, I should say this about both teams, but that's that was a very professional football game. For the Bears to be losing the whole time in their game against Green Bay, the Seahawks weren't eliminated until about midway through the fourth quarter officially. But they could see the scoreboard, and they knew it wasn't good, that their chances of winning of going to the playoffs weren't good. And they also knew it's the Bears. I mean, you're not in a good spot when you've got to cheer for the Bears. That gets a little tough. But the whole time they knew their chances were slipping away and slipping away. And both teams played hard. So I do think we should take a second and say, hey, give them that. Now, I realize a lot of you, and I'm kind of with you. Hey, you get paid millions of dollars, do your job. I, don't don't salute somebody just because they actually did what they're supposed to do. You're right, but oh my gosh, how often do we see teams check out? And since they didn't, I want to make sure that I acknowledge that they didn't. The, the statements by Jonathan Gannon there 
I do think you have to salute, especially the win against Philly, but obviously this performance too, that there's no doubt that they were playing hard, especially when you look at the run total for James Conner. So that's really great. So I think you can be as positive as Jonathan Gannon is going into the future. At least, I mean, you you can be whatever you want. But what I mean is, I th- my opinion is there's reality as a basis for optimism right now. And that's fair. Except that defense is atrocious. And that's when you kind of move into, in my opinion, Monty Ossenfort. Monty Ossenfort had a good first draft. So what are you going to be able to do about it coming up in your next draft? And are you going to be able to back up those results, especially now that you have a year together with your head coach and you're better aligned with what you want? That's one thing that you can totally see a difference in this regime and previous regimes is Steve Kime, in my opinion, was terrible at meshing with his coaches. Terrible at it. Like, for an example, when you have to announce Zayvon Collins is the starter and you're telling Jordan Hicks you're not going to be allowed to compete for the job, you do that to go after a coach. That means you were upset the previous year that you don't think your guy got enough playing time, so you're making this declarative statement at the beginning of the season. And you're basically bum-rushing your entire coaching staff. I'll never forget, well, I, I wasn't there when he said it, but I've read it. John Wooden used to always say, every coach has the most powerful form of motivation. It's the bench. Some are just afraid to use it. And he meant that of how many coaches feel like, I'm going to lose this game if I don't play so-and-so. So instead of disciplining so-and-so, instead of having so-and-so earn their playing time, they just get playing time. And what do you really earn in that sense? He was very much against facial hair and long hair. And Bill Walton one time strongly told John Wooden, that this is how it's going to be. I'm going to wear my hair this way. I'm going to not shave. And this is my individual freedom. And John Wooden shook his hand and said, Bill, I totally support you in this quest. I totally agree with you. You're an American and you have every right to do whatever you want. And we're really going to miss you here at UCLA. Bill Walton was the best college basketball player in the country. And he's getting ready to be dismissed. He cut his hair shaved. <laughs> now, was those were those different times? Yes, they were. But when you knew John Wooden was serious, you didn't question it at all. Now, nowadays, boom, transfer portal, the kid leaves. Okay, I get it. But you see the point. Are you going to use the bench or are you not? That's the, the power that you have. And yet, instead of making Collins earn it or – showing everybody else you've got to produce the habits it takes to get on the field. You have your general manager dictating things. Now you look at a Paris Johnson and Ojolari and a Michael Wilson. You look at three of the, the early draft picks from Monty Ossonfort and how they fit into the offense and the defense. That tells you something. That, that, that shows you that there's a little bit of uh, of a collaboration, both in earning the time, but then being able to produce when you get it. So hopefully that is able to get changed. This is very, very quick. It might even be hard for you to understand it. 
But I I didn't like Jonathan Gannon's answer to this quiz question. Josh Weinfuss, ESPN, just simply asked the question, there's been a problem a lot with wide-open receivers in the last month. And that, of course, happened on the uh, on the touchdown and some late-game situations. What's happening there? Yeah, you're in zone coverage and the quarterback extends plays. That's what's going to happen. That's it. That's it. People just get open because you're in zone coverage and the quarterback is able to escape. I hope he meant that not like you're calling out Monty Osafor. There's only so much Monty Osafor can do, right, in one year with how dearth of talent this roster was after the Steve Keim regime and Steven, the Keim and Bidwell regime. So I'm hoping that's just a listen. We didn't get, we didn't rush the passer, and when we don't get pressure on the passer, now that you're in a zone, it's easier to find soft spots in the zone. The key is when you're playing zone, is that we're going to hit your quarterback before he finds the soft spot, and if he does find the soft spot, we're going to be able to bring down the receiver without yards after the catch fast enough that you're not going to get chunk plays. Now suddenly you're moving around. Everybody's zone gets a little bit confusing. You get more than one guy in one zone sometimes. Now it's even harder, and the quarterback can just dance around and be able to pick you apart. And it's no longer just man-to-man. Okay. I don't know. The, the thing was that answer, maybe his anger is in the simplicity. But I feel like he was dismissive of Josh Weinfuss because there are also, Coach, there are open people in man-to-man, too. This has been a problem for a while. And I don't really necessarily think that it's scheme, per se, because, in my opinion, they don't have the talent and they're not getting to the quarterback. I don't care how good of a corner you are. You're not covering your guy for that long of a stretch if you're never getting to the quarterback. Uh, The last one from Jonathan Gannon. Um, there's a question about Kyler and then somebody jumps in with another question. I don't even remember what the second question was. I didn't care, but then we get back to the topic of Kyler and Jonathan Gannon just exudes praise for Kyler Murray, both a little bit on the game, but mostly the season. Very. And one of the reasons that I'm really enthused about going into next year is that guy. He obviously thought he was hit late. Call What enthuses you about him particularly? The competitor that he is, his will to win, uh, the teammate that he is, the person that he is, and um, you know his uh, intangibles to move forward with this team and play winning football week in and week out. I guess that question wasn't that dumb. It did bother me. That was Josh Weinfuss asking about the hit. That was – I don't know how an officiating crew misses the late hit on Kyler Murray. He clearly is sliding. It was kind of a late slide. I'll grant you. It was a little bit of a late slide. But the hit was so late after he's just sitting on the ground with his knee on the ground. That's got to be a flag. And 
I mean, that's a bad, bad miss. And boy, are the Cardinals lucky. And I would even say the league is lucky. I can't imagine if Kyler would have been hurt much more seriously on that play and he's out for for any time next year and there's not even a flag on it. That was a bad miss by the officials. So Josh Weinfuss, I, I wanted the flow about Gannon's opinions of Kyler and I mocked you because you interrupted the flow and now I'm thinking, you know what, I am glad you asked that because I had a beef with the officials on that one. So he's fired up about Kyler Murray. And it's, it's again, once again, those of you that think Kyler Murray is the future, there were a lot of plays yesterday that you were proven right. That nice 33-yard run, I'm assuming that was a designed run, but they didn't pull any of the offensive linemen to go with them. That's normally the sign that it's a designed run. And if it was a read... That, but it happened so quick. That's why it's hard for me to believe it wasn't a designed run. But if it's a read, the read was so good, he deserves a lot of credit for it. There were a lot of other good plays, and the drive for the for the winning touchdown, excuse me, winning field goal that was missed was a, was a good drive at the beginning until his – I don't know why he still hasn't learned this. He does this so often where he takes a sack when he runs out of bounds two yards shy of the sticks, and all you have to do is throw the ball forward, and he could have done it as soon as he realized I'm not going to be able to turn the corner. He could have thrown it away and saved time. Didn't do it. That happens far too often with him. Um, but the drive for the uh, go-ahead touchdown and that pass to Trey McBride on the fake field goal attempt was beautiful, so there's a lot of positives there. By the way, Speaking of the fake field goal, Pete Carroll and the officials, you it's amazing to see how asleep at the wheel they were. I mean, number one, you brought in a holder and a kicker. So you have to, as an official, you have to hold off that snap. You have to hold the snap. That is such lazy officiating. Because what officials were doing, in a sense, is they were fooled. It's like, okay, you're bringing on your kick team, so therefore the other team's going to have plenty of time to bring in their field goal block. We're fine. And then all of a sudden, when the kicker splits out wide and the holder's like, oh, no, that's exactly when a good officiating crew would have run up and held the ball for a second. Wait, you can't snap it? Defense, do you want to sub? Because they've subbed. So the officials totally choked on that. Now, if Pete Carroll and his staff wasn't asleep at the wheel, you had time to call a timeout. As soon as you saw the kicker go out wide, you go call timeout. Then after you call timeout, you complain like crazy to the referees and demand they give you your timeout back. And yes, the refs can do that. And you explain, they sub. There's their kicker on the field. And you didn't give us a chance to stop. I keep going like this because that's what the referees do is they'll stand like this to block the snap and make sure that the defense has a chance to sub. And you argue you never stopped the play. You never gave me a chance to sub. Then the referees would announce there was a mechanical issue, meaning basically we're wrong, but they don't say that. The defense was not given an opportunity to substitute. We will reset the play clock. And now the Cardinals have to decide what they want to do. So there's a huge positive on that play for the Cardinals. Enormous positive. And a terrible 
black mark on both Seattle and the officials. If you're a Seahawks fan, don't blame the refs for not doing what they were supposed to do because your coach didn't do what he was supposed to do either. That's an embarrassment for that coaching staff to be that asleep at the wheel. And then give Jeff Rogers, Kyler Murray, Trey McBride, and that whole Cardinals team fantastic credit for what they were able to pull off and execute that fake that well. That was a big-time call right there in a clutch moment. They deserve a lot of credit. But anyway, back to Kyler. The things he did well yesterday, he did really, really well. And the other things, like the taking of the sack, there was another play which, I mean, this this again goes back to the discussion I had with you a couple weeks ago. There are mistakes that Kyler makes that are so flabbergasting where it's it's where you go, okay, when does this stuff end? And I don't mean making a mistake, okay? Crap happens all the time. But there are such elementary mistakes. If you want to go back to the beginning, uh, I'd say about the 11-minute mark of the of the third, second quarter, I think. 12-minute mark, sorry. 12, in, the, in the 12.45 range, the Cardinals have a first and goal. Rondale Moore goes into motion across the formation. I don't know if Drew Petzing is coaching this weird or if Kyler Murray decided not to pay attention to it. But when Rondale Moore immediately runs across the formation, they're in zone coverage. Now, if it's a man cover, it's an immediate read, get the ball to Rondale Moore because there's no way somebody can work his way all the way through the trash and be able to take that away. At least it was a zone. But I would still think the read is from right to left across the formation when you bring Rondale Moore over to the right side. Maybe it isn't. That's why I can't flip out about that. But Rondale Moore was open. I'm not saying he would have got the touchdown, but he would have been able to give you at least a yard or two and get you even closer to the end zone. And I think he would have scored, but I admit I'm not sure. Then there's a play fake. With the play fake, that simply means you fake the handoff. And when Kyler fakes the handoff, he doesn't read the linebackers at all. All of them bite. All of them come up. And a quarterback that knows the, the the complete route tree and the route concepts would know who is my player that's taking advantage of the play action. And that's Vocalek, the new tight end. So Vocalek's lined up along the left. He does a little sail across the formation right behind the linebackers. And all of the linebackers step up. And Kyler has got to know that's my guy. And Vokalek is frighteningly wide open. I mean, it's it's crazy how open Vokalek is. Kyler never sees him. Now when Kyler runs left, okay, fine, you're going left. McBride's open in the corner of the eh, – he's NFL open. I don't act like he's wide open like Vokalek was, but he's NFL open. And you got to hit him in that right hip, that outside hip, right above the pylon. And now we've got a physical air from Kyler Murray. I'm assuming it's physical. It could have been mental where he thought the player was going to come around the other side, but I don't know why he would think that. And he throws some kind of weird duck behind McBride. McBride's running right, can't come back to his left and be able to make the play. Now it's second and ten. And to a lot of people, that's just, well, that's just one play. You know, who cares? It's one bad play. What happened at the end of the game? 
I mean, it's one bad play could cost you. And it wasn't like there was one mistake. I mean, there's there's two mental errors. One's an opinionated mental error on my part. Let's be fair. But the not not throwing it to Vokalek is not an opinionated statement. You you blew that. And then a physical error on the throw to McBride. So you see what I mean? We got a bad read and we got a bad physical play in the red zone. And then what do we always talk about at the end of Cardinals games? We got to execute in the red zone. We don't have to execute in the red zone. Kyler's got to execute in the red zone. So that's what I mean by what I said at the beginning. Whatever your opinion of Kyler Murray is, there's a lot of plays in yesterday's game and in the last six weeks of this season that prove you right. He's had some good games. He's had some bad games. Not bad games. He's had some good plays and he's had some bad plays. And it's very, very up and down. Maybe an offseason that he does nothing but focus on this offense, work with Drew Petzing, and the offense starts clicking and he gets better timing with his receivers. And namely, hopefully they get better, they get a better receiver. If you're a positive thinking person on Kyler Murray, you know, I, I can I can see why you're hopeful in what's going to happen. For me, I look at it and I say I keep seeing mistakes that they're not elevated mistakes. It's not like a mistake A happens and then he builds on it. Okay, this is this is an upper level mistake. Oh, this is a you you can have elite level mistakes. And I I, I see some of the just stuff that you just can't have in a playoff quarterback. Can't have it if you really think that you've got a playoff team. So that's something to really watch for. It'll be really interesting to see what they do in the offseason because I don't know if they're going to help the offense that much because it's the defense that is in desperate need of of a makeover. I mean, that defense is bad. It's really, really bad. Well, let's get to Kyler and some of the things that Kyler had to say uh, afterward. He was asked about the end of the game and, and, and how he feels right now, and I, I like this from Kyler a lot. It was almost as if I can't focus on the positives that everybody feels ending this season because I'm so frustrated with the loss. <sighs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Izzy just personally, you know, last two weeks felt like, you know what I'm saying, the form I was telling you about, like, there was really nothing. Didn't feel like there was anything that they could do, you know, to uh, stop us. Felt... Felt like we were clicking on all cylinders for the most part. I mean, today we were a little sloppier than last week, but y'all don't really know that. And, you know, you, we'll watch it and clean it up. But um, obviously, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot to look forward to, you know. And But you don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. Nobody in there wants to lose. Um, feeling like we should have won that game. But at the end of the day, yes, in a sense, there is a lot to look forward to. And, um, you know, I'm excited about it. You know, I know the guys are excited about it. And, uh, trust and believe in Monty and JG and what you know what they got going and what they're building here. Um, it's complete, you know, complete 180. You know, and um, I'm happy, man. I'm happy, uh, happy in the position that we're in. Um, I look forward to going, you know, next season. I really loved the attitude there from Kyler Murray, and the reason why I did it, it, it does sound funny. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay, I realize that sounds funny. But the reason why I love the attitude is I don't want somebody happy after a loss. I I don't want my leader being the guy that's all giddy. I mean, I can't wait to get started next year. Can't wait to get started. Hey, you just lost, okay? You lost, and you could have played better. 
and, and I don't want to see you happy about it. And I like the fact that the media wanted to be positive, wanted to move forward with the positive vibe they've gotten from other players in the locker room and the positive vibe from the head coach. And here's Kyler, kind of like the only guy that's keeping it real. Now, if you heard the beginning of that quote, there was one thing that shocked me. Since the Cardinals hate me, um, you know they're, they're not going to give me a credential. I, I get it. I, I totally get it. But the fact that they gave Izzy a credential, I couldn't believe it. Did you hear him say that at the beginning, Jeff Weir Production? I did hear that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and play that again. Do you mind? I, I know you don't have it queued up, so I'm kind of throwing you a curveball. Yeah, but, but Kyler, who are you talking to? <sighs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Izzy just what personally. You know, last two what? weeks felt okay, like okay. You can stop. You know, what I'm saying number one, Izzy, you got to pull that. I mean, you got you got to pull that and use that in a like a new. There's a new segment coming on iOS every weekday morning from ten to noon. Talking with Izzy. Uh, the truth is, is it Wood Fork? Do you mind if I cheat and look it up? I can't remember if it's Wood Fork or if it's Wool Fork. Let me uh, just a second. Israel Wool Fork, not Wood Fork. Wool Fork. That is the quarterbacks coach. For the Arizona Cardinals, Israel Wolfork. And so that's what he meant. I'm talking to Izzy, meaning his quarterback's coach. But I, I did start laughing as soon as I heard that. Because for those of you that have heard the four-minute offense, that's Kyler Murray at the beginning of that saying four-minute offense because that's a football term, meaning you got anywhere between six to four minutes left in the game. You've got a one-possession lead, but you've got the ball. You want to be able to eat clock and score points. That's the main goal. Run the football when the other team knows you're going to run the football. That's the four-minute offense. So I pulled that from him when I already knew I wanted the name to be the four-minute offense. Now we can do that again. We can have Kyler starring in a segment on, uh, on iOS. Okay, lastly from Kyler, I, I like this question. In the end, throughout this end of the year, what did you get better at? I think we were much better in the passing game. Um, ran the ball really well, um, and we stayed on schedule. You know, there wasn't too many negative plays. Um, didn't really shoot ourselves in the foot too much, you know. Um, but we still, you know, we, we, we didn't score in the end, uh, red zone today. You know, enough, enough to win the game, so. That's going to be one of those areas where like, like the, the description I gave you on first on first and goal, which was some of it might have been on Drew Petzing if he's actually teaching Kyler not to read Rondale Moore as the first read. Not a sin. It's just weird. When you got him in motion right there, and you usually read right to left for a right-handed quarterback, but whatever. Or maybe Kyler saw something from the defense, and even though his first read is Rondale Moore, his eyes went somewhere else. I would really support him on that if he's thinking I'm just taking a quick peek to see if my pre-snap read has post-snap validation. What gets to me on that is why the exact first thing he didn't notice is how far the linebackers came up to stop the run on the play fake and what that would have meant for Vokalek uh, coming across the formation uh, behind the linebackers. That if, if you're not looking at Rondell Moore, that should have been the first thing you notice, and boom, touchdown. And that's a bad – I mean, that's a bad miss for a quarterback to not have scored a touchdown on that play. So I bring that up of, 
you know, I'm glad you're saying, I'm glad you know red zone is the problem. But do you know that you're a major part of it? And that's something that was a, a huge problem in the uh, in the former regime. For a, I mean, it was there just wasn't enough room for the for the route concepts that Cliff Kingsbury wanted to do. But I never really blamed Kyler for that. I mean, every now and then there was a read he should have had. Okay, but to me that was more coaching with Cliff Kingsbury than it really was on Kyler. All right, now I care about this. I, I don't know if you do. Okay, but do you know how your schedule is set up in the NFL? Okay, when we talk about the actual dates, times, that's basically the popularity of your team. A little of it is stadium availability. Uh, Every single NFL team plays in a stadium that is football only, so there's no baseball teams that play in their stadium anymore. But there are some conflicts like the Royals and the Chiefs share a parking lot. So they don't have Royals and Chiefs games going on at the same time. So within the Royals lease, they have to tell Major League Baseball, here are two weekends that you can't schedule us at home to make sure the Chiefs have two September weekends uh, every year. That's in there. Um, I, I believe there's something similar to that in the Reds and Bengals situation. Maybe not a guarantee, but their stadiums are so close together, they try to separate weekends when the Reds and the Bengals are home. Uh, The Cardinals only have one that I know of real specific issue with the schedule, and that is within 72-hour window of January 1st, they can't have a game because you're supposed to have it open for the Fiesta Bowl. I think I have that right. Please give me a little bit of room. I'm right in thought, but I might not be right exactly factually with the Cardinals and the Fiesta Bowl. But there is a certain time frame, a window, to allow the Fiesta Bowl to dress up the stadium and allow the Fiesta Bowl to dress down the stadium. And that's why for 400 years, the Cardinals almost never had their last game of the year at home. But now that there's a 17-game schedule, that last game, yesterday's game, is far enough removed from January 1st that now the Cardinals can have a home. I don't know if you care about that stuff. That stuff interests me. Well, the way your twenty your, your schedule works is you have two rotating divisions that everybody in your division plays. Then there are three games a year that are basically a function of your skill from the year before. So that's another way where the NFL tries to create parity, where if you're the best team in the in your division the year before, you've got a harder schedule than the year after. So if you care about the Cardinals schedule, we don't have dates and times and we won't until April or so, but here's the 2024 opponents now that it's official that the Cardinals are a last place team. If you look, if you're not watching right now on WTSMTV.com, I will kind of explain it for those of you on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or tune in listening to the podcast. But if you're looking at it with me and watching it on WTSM, of course, the three divisional opponents are on the top of both categories. Home on the left, road on the right, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. That's six of your 17 games. Next year, the NFC West has the NFC North as their NFC division. So Bears and Lions are at home. Packers and Vikings are on the road. Then 
you have your two games in the NFC that are determined by your position. What that means is, since the Cardinals are in last place, they play everybody in the NFC that's in last place. All right? Bears, because they play the NFC North, and Commanders and Panthers, because they finished in last place in their division. So the Cardinals don't play anybody else other than the Panthers in the NFC South, and they don't play anybody else but Washington in the NFC East. But a team as good as San Francisco this year, they don't get the benefit of playing the Panthers next year. That's how that part of it works. Now, everyone in the NFC West is also conditioned to play one division in the AFC East, or excuse me, one division in the AFC, and this year for the Cardinals, it'll be the NFC East. So Patriots and Jets are the scheduled home games. Bills and Dolphins are the scheduled road games. That makes me. That does make me think about the old show. It's pretty cool. Once every eight years, depending on a, a strange anomaly, Ron Wolfley gets to go back to Buffalo and call a game. So I'm, I'm thinking of Wolf when I see that. I'm also thinking of, if you want to know, Paul Calvisi being the sideline reporter because he's got a road game in Green Bay and a road game in Miami. I can't wait to see the final schedule because it could be Dolphins in September when it's humid and miserable and Packers in December when it's freezing cold. Or you could get lovely Green Bay in September, which is nice, and the Dolphins then on the road in December, which is gorgeous. Now, lastly, every even year, the NFC has an extra home game. Cardinals are an NFC team. Your extra home game is determined by what AFC division have you not played in two years? Well, that would be the AFC West. When I say in two years, for us as we sit here now, it was last year. But 2022 is two years from 2024, and we're looking at the 2024 schedule. So the last place team from the AFC West was the Chargers. So the Chargers come to Arizona. Now, here's my theory on that. I, I don't know why I didn't take a drink the whole time you had the screen up. Second, Sh- I bring it down. It shows my <laughs> ignorance right there. But when I see that extra home game, and the fact that it's a Southern California team, I'm willing to bet the farm that's going to be a um, a Mexico City game. It just seems to make a lot of sense. That way the Cardinals still have their eight home games. But when you have a team that's formerly San Diego and you have a lot of Mexican fans of the Chargers, the Cardinals trying very hard to develop Mexico as Cardinals fans – That seems like a no-brainer. So I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that game is in Mexico City. However, as bad as both teams are, that might not be one where you you really want to put that on primetime. Because I don't think you're going to play a game in Mexico City that's a regular Sunday morning game. You know, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. However, if Bill Belichick does get fired this week, there's a lot of people that think he's most interested in the in the Chargers job because you've got a ready-made quarterback in Justin Herbert. And not a lot of other coaching opportunities are out there with a quarterback. So if the Chargers make a move and the Patriots make a move and everybody's happy and he's a Patriot, then I can see the NFL saying, okay, now we've got something really marketable in Bill Belichick and Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, and maybe we do it early in the year before we really know if both teams stink. 
I think the Chargers game is going to be early in the year in Mexico City, but that's that's totally a guess on my part. All right, other thing in the NFL before we get to Suns, let's take a look at the playoffs so you can understand what just happened. And it's it's crazy to me how the playoff picture has uh, has happened. If you could, Jeff Weir Production, give me the playoff standings, but will you scroll to the bottom? Let's start with the NFC since the Cardinals are in the NFC. And then just to let you know how insane it is that happened, do you see where it says, and again, if you're listening to the podcast, sorry, but I will explain it. Top seven seeds, number one seed gets a bye. They don't play. Two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five. So first game is Green Bay at Dallas, or the first game that we're going to talk about. On the far right, it says, wins tiebreak over Seattle, blah, 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 blah. Okay, this is crazy. Green Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans are all tied at nine and eight. Green Bay makes the playoffs on the fourth tiebreaker. All right, here are the tiebreakers. Who won head-to-head between Green Bay and Seattle? They didn't play. All right, conference record. Who has the best conference record between Green Bay and Seattle? They both went 7-5. and five. All right, who has the best record against common opponents? Yes, you line up all 17 opponents for Green Bay, all 17 opponents for Seattle. You see which teams... Both teams played, and then you give the record that they were against those common opponents. They tied for that, too. The fourth tiebreaker is called strength of victory. The teams that Green Bay beat this year had a better record overall than the team Seattle beat this year. That's all it came down to. They're they're tied, and they go all the way to the fourth tiebreaker. That's crazy. Now... The schedule for this uh, matchups is they're going uh, AFC first. So I'll focus on the AFC in a second, but stay here where you are, Jeff Weir Production, so anybody that wants to look at it can see how things break down, break down, break down. It'll be three games. The three latest games are NFC games. Green Bay at Dallas is the first NFC game, but it's the fourth playoff game in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday. Sunday night is Rams-Detroit. That's the six-seed L.A. on the road at Detroit, who won the uh, NFC North. And then the first-ever Monday night playoff game, which obviously puts you at a disadvantage for the next weekend because now you're on a short week, is the number 5 Philadelphia Eagles on the road at Tampa Bay. Number one... This is a, a thing I've always had a beef with. Okay, just so you know, Philadelphia, that's crazy. Did you see their record? 11-6. and six. They became the first ever 10-1 football team to only win 11 games. <laughs> that's never happened in the history of football. It doesn't matter. And this year, they got even got an extra chance to win more games, and they couldn't do it. Now, I have always disagreed with a divisional team being guaranteed a home game. Full disclosure, nobody agrees with me. Like, if you're hearing this for the first time and you're thinking, Doug, that's a great idea. Guess what? You and I are on an island nobody else is on. No one agrees with me on this. I am not saying if you win a division, you don't belong in the playoffs. You 100% belong in the playoffs. But I don't think you should be guaranteed a home game. And you look at it, Philadelphia is better than the four-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rams are better than the four-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I think the top seven teams should be the four division winners, the three best teams in the conference after that, and then you reseed it. And I don't know who would win the tiebreaker with Tampa Bay and Green Bay. I admit, I, I don't have any idea on that one. I have to look it up. But that would make Tampa Bay either the six or the seven seed. And I think that's deserved. But right now it's Dallas at Green Bay, 2-7. Detroit at I just I think I just said at. Green Bay at Dallas. And then it's the six seed Rams at the Lions. And then the Eagles, because they're not a division winner, they don't get a home game. And they travel to Tampa Bay. So now let's go to the top and we'll look at the AFC so you know what happened in the AFC. That is the number one seeded Baltimore Ravens. They get the bye, so they sit there. They're comfortable. They're off this weekend. And then it's the same two, seven, three, six, four, five. Pittsburgh, who was dead to the water, losing to the Patriots and Cardinals in back-to-back games in a five-day span, somehow make the playoffs. Jacksonville chokes it away. All they had to do was win, and they would have advanced and won the AFC South. They choke. And the Colts also choke it away. If they would have won yesterday against Houston, they would have won the AFC South, and they didn't. And one of the great coaching jobs and general manager jobs in taking C.J. Stroud, Houston Texans behind D'Amico Ryans, they win the South and have a 10-7 and record. But you also have the same situation. The five seed and the six seed are both better than the four seed. So the first game of the playoffs overall, and then specifically in the AFC, Cleveland, who is the five seed, will go to Houston, who is the four seed. Cleveland got the five seed because they have a better record in conference games than the Dolphins. They both tied at 11 and six. Cleveland's eight and four in the AFC, Miami seven and five. That pushes Miami to the sixth seed, and they will take their warm, nice little toasty butts to cold Kansas City, and there could be blizzard like conditions in this game. So Miami goes to Kansas City. Again, those two games I just talked about are all. Um, Saturday games, and the thing to keep an eye on with Kansas City is there's a very good chance Kansas City will have a road game at some point in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes has never had a road game in, in the playoffs before. It's not a guarantee. The reason why it's not a guarantee is if the Steelers pull the upset and they beat the Buffalo Bills, it would be a huge upset, but if they pull the upset, that would give the Chiefs home field advantage in the second round of the playoffs. And then if the Ravens lose in the second round of the playoffs, the Chiefs could host the AFC Championship game. So it's not a foregone conclusion that Pat Mahomes has a road game, but it's reasonably likely. And then the last game of the AFC is the first game Sunday morning. Pittsburgh, like I mentioned, traveling to Buffalo. But this, but the records aren't dramatically different. 11-6 and six Buffalo and 10-7 and seven Pittsburgh. And there's your quick look at the playoffs. We'll, we'll dive into the actual matchups, who we like, things like that coming up a lot closer to the end of the week. But two games Saturday, three games Sunday in the first ever Monday night playoff game is this year. All right, that does it for Cardinals and the NFL. Got a little bit of ASU I want to do, a little bit of U of A I want to do, but uh, we got a ton of sons to talk about. Doug's big one, my terrible frustration with the fourth quarter sons. But that was my opinionated side. Now let's get into the facts of it and what really happened and hear from Frank Vogel, Kevin Durant, 
and Devin Booker. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. This room that we're in right now is called the Roadrunner Room, and it is our private event space. It's 1,200 square feet and accommodates up to 80 seated, about 120 standing mingling. We have comedy night in here on Friday nights, and we've had board meetings, luncheons for ASU. We've had city council member, the mayor's been in here, Mayor Corey Woods. We have cornhole in here, so whatever really you want the space, we'll, we'll set it up for you. 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. It never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. I went to uh, ESPN.com in the revenue generating portion of the podcast right there and was a little shocked at what I just read, the subtext, not the actual uh, headline. Scott Fitter, the general manager of the Panthers, has been fired. This is Black Monday, so you already have Arthur Smith, Arthur Blank firing Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons. That was done last night. So today, the GM of the Panthers has been fired. Now, on the one hand, I support that simply because you you had the most important decision to make in any franchise, and you really look bad with C.J. Stroud leading Houston to a playoff spot and a division championship, and you didn't do that. You chose Young as your quarterback, and it backfired in your face. Now... Personally, I heard every report in the world that said Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud. So why hire Frank Reich if you're not going to give him the quarterback that he wants? And then I have to laugh when David Tepper tries to act like he's the one that's always in charge and yet he's always firing people. So I don't think it's going to be a a terrible badge of dishonor for Fitterer to be fired by David Tepper. The the other piece of news, and by the way, I played on Talking Sons, but I just saw this, and this is important. Washington Commanders fired Ron Rivera. Zero people, and I think including Ron Rivera, are surprised by that. Remember, Ron Rivera was hired during the regime of Daniel Snyder. And Ron Rivera tried to, to act like it's not all his fault. He said the other day, I spent two and a half years as an, as an administrator 
and I spent half this year as a coach trying to act like, hey, this is unfair. It's the first time I've ever been allowed to coach this team because I've been dealing with all the other stuff, ownership, blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. You stunk all those years, so it doesn't matter. Um, but here's what's really interesting about the firing of Ron Rivera. Do you remember Chris Spielman's brother, Rick? Longtime Vikings general manager. He's been hired, but not as general manager. And do you remember the guy that built the Golden State Warriors? Give Steve Kerr some credit, and of course, when you've already got Steph Curry. But Bob Myers, who is now a color analyst with ESPN, he's been hired by Washington. But neither of them are the general manager. The commanders, I think this is brilliant. The commanders have basically hired Bob Myers and Rick Spielman to find their next director of football operations. Say, I want you guys. I'm an owner, and I don't know how to own an NFL football team. I mean, what a smack in the face to the embarrassment that David Tepper is. How brilliant of Washington is it to fire an outside-the-box brilliant guy in Bob Myers with a guy that's had his hands dirty and been reasonably successful but comes from a hardcore football family like the Spielmans and Rick Spielman and say, okay, the two of you, you go find me, my football guy, to run this organization. And then I'll let him hire the head coach. That's, that's pretty smart stuff. Opinionated statement. Uh, if you're a Washington fan, of which there aren't a lot of us, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that news. Before I get uh, into Suns, don't forget, please, Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. This show does not exist if it's not for Sweet Lou and everybody at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Thank you, Jeff Weir Production. That was really fast. This is still going on, the Whirlwind Plus plan. If you didn't get what you want for Christmas, talk things over with your spouse or just jump on it yourself. It's $34 a month. And it's even better, $299 for the year. If you decide, I'll just do it for the year. And at $299 for the year, what you get with this, now your golf, you still pay to golf. So it's not like you pay $299 and now you play free golf for a year. But what you get with your membership is you get the lowest rate that day every time you play. So you got a five-day window to book your tee time. That means you can't book a tee time two months out. But anytime within five days, look at the sheet, see what's available. And then it doesn't matter how much it says it costs, you get the cheapest rate that day. And in Arizona, that normally means there's like a rate at two or three o'clock. Well, you can get the two or three o'clock rate and golf at 10 in the morning. Wow. So sometimes that's, a, that's as big of a 60% savings is about the max you're going to get. That means you would only have to golf about three or four times a year and you're going to pay that thing off. That's it. I think it's totally worth it. And then they're going to – I'm going to eat lunch with Sweet Lou this week and talk about some of the opportunities to get out there for Whirlwind Plus members and do something special for members that are there, whether you're in the Unplugged Army or not. And then it's been a while since we had an Unplugged Army day out there, so I'm going to try to set that up. As well, so uh, please keep, uh, stay tuned for more information about Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. They have uh, ch- just treated the Unplugged Army unbelievably well, so I'm um, excited about that. 
yesterday, 121-115 loser. Um, just sick in the head. Plus 11 through the first three quarters. Lose the fourth quarter 35-18. to 18. Memphis is the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Memphis shoots 33% from three. They only went to 34% from three in this game. So it's not like they did something miraculous and you let them get hot and things like that. What's crazy is the Suns allowed 49 three-point attempts. So it wasn't a case where Memphis shot better than normal. It's they got that many looks. And that had a lot to do with bad box outs, offensive rebounds. The offensive rebounds for the Suns were mostly Nurkic, and they were mostly put back in. The offensive rebounds for um, for Memphis were kick-out threes, and eventually they went in. It was a... It was a bad display of basketball in the fourth quarter. Let's uh, let's start things off with the head coach. I only got one from him, so Jeff Weir Production, if you could give me uh, Vogel one. We'll go Vogel, KD, and then we'll go Book. Uh, Frank Vogel was asked, is this one any more frustrating since you had an 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter? Yeah, it's, it's always disappointing. You, you know, you have a double-digit lead at any point in the fourth quarter or to start. Uh, it's disappointing, uh, but we didn't play well enough to win tonight, so... You know, we didn't deserve that W. We'll get back to work tomorrow. Always love the bluntness, and it is very, very true the way they played. Nurkic battled on, on the glass, but other than that, like, I'm a big Devin Booker fan. But there were three different occasions in this game in which Devin Booker did the Cardinals. He basically pulled a DeAndre Ayton. There were so many times in DeAndre Ayton's career that when the shot went up, he went like this. Listen, first rule of rebounding, assume every shot will be missed. Pretty simple, right? If you think, oh, that's going in, you don't work hard anymore. First rule of rebounding, assume every shot will be missed. Second rule of rebounding, hit somebody. It's not hard. Hit somebody. If you're watching the ball in flight to the rim, somebody else is running to the rim, namely your guy. Three different times in this game, Devin Booker looks at a guy, looks at the ball, sees the shot come up, and then watches the shot. And his man runs right around him for an offensive rebound. Devin, that's hypocritical. And I listen, all the times that you were yelling at, De- uh, at DeAndre Ayton in timeouts, I supported you. I-, I was totally with you. All the times you didn't pass him the ball because you didn't think he was focused or working hard to get post-up position, I believe in you. I support you on that. I understand it. Okay? But you can't be getting bent out of shape at DeAndre Ayton, and now you're part of that exact problem. Your defense has not been what it was. You actually went from a bad defender to not quite elite, but you were really good the last couple of years. That's now gone. You're doing a lot of standing and staring defensively, anticipating what's going to happen instead of actually creating turnovers and doing the things that need to be done. 
especially on the glass. That's got to change. And I like how Frank Vogel just says, we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. Here's Kevin Durant with the attitude that I totally disagree with on the just one of those games. Yeah, I feel like we got some good looks there. We a lot of back around. We missed like three or four point blank layups too. Just one of those games that you got to uh, just fight through and try to give yourself a chance late. Uh, you got more shots up than them. Uh, wasn't too bad on the glass. You know, they we they had 15 offense rebounds. We had 16 turnovers. Wasn't bad. They had more than us. They just made more shots than us. It's Kevin Durant is a very, very smart dude. He doesn't say things that aren't true. I just totally disagree with his demeanor. It's it is their job, okay? It is their job. And you know when when, when my show ends coming up in forty minutes, I am really happy with the things I got right and really frustrated at myself with the things I got wrong. Or if I got something right but was boring. <laughs> okay, then it doesn't matter that I was right. Why would you listen? Just to sit here and have me be right unless I'm giving you lottery numbers. <laughs> if I'm giving you correct lottery numbers all the time, I can be as boring as I want. Aren't you going to listen? But when I hear Kevin Durant say, this is just one of those games, KD, no, it's not. You're up 11 going into the fourth quarter. How is it just one of those games? You had horrible, your team had horrible closeouts to the three-point line. And because they didn't really burn you with it, you never picked up the pace to chase them off the three-point line, and eventually they just made enough to win. Your defensive rebounding was terrible in this game as a team, not you personally. This is what happened so it can't just be one of those games. And Kevin Durant, here's a stat for you that I've already talked to Jeff Weir Production about. You're ranked 30th as a team in fourth quarter scoring. 30th. You scored 15 points in an NBA fourth quarter at home against one of the worst teams in basketball. Look at their record. And you can say, well, that's not fair. Their records mostly happen without John ja Morant. Well, guess who they didn't have yesterday? John ja Morant. That's who they are. And you only score 15 points and it just gets categorized as one of those games? Uh-uh. Now, here is one. And I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball, Jeff Weir Production. I'm going to want KD2 and then Book2, okay? Here's KD2. And the question is talking about this is the time that you're playing with Booker and Beal. How did it feel out there? Is it fair that fans expect a lot for this to be able to gel right now? Yeah, it's just more games like this that will, uh, you know, put so we can put stuff on film so we can watch and see how we can grow and what positions that we all successful in out there. And it's, it's uh, for the, how many games we played together? Uh, yeah, so looking forward to playing more and getting more and more comfortable with one another and as, as, as well as the rest of the team. All right. You know, we've only played five games together. Looking forward to more time, putting stuff on film so then we can watch the film, figure it out. 
he makes it seem like it's all happy go lucky we'll be all right you know everything's fine i think about this and i like this now who's going to win the battle of urgency here that is kevin durant saying we just need more time it's only our fifth game relax booker comes in and booker is asked the question about hey, it's only your fifth game together. You're struggling in the fourth quarter and scoring, struggling with three-point defense right now. And if you could give me book two, Jeff Weir production, listen to the follow-up question. He talks about what went wrong, and he goes into the slow offense. When he's asked, is the slow offense have to do with only five games of the Booker Beal KD threesome, listen to how different his response is than Kevin Durant's. Uh, yeah, we just need to go to our next option. Um, you know, sometimes when the first option is taken away, you know, like we said out there playing, just over denying everything, um, you know, it has to be, you know, immediate, you know, just next action, go to, you know, the next person, go dribble handoff somewhere else. Um, stop playing so slow. Is that part of does part of that come with just getting more reps with, I mean, this is only like the fifth game, I think, the three of you have been out there together? Um, no, I think we should have it down by now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See where I'm going now? I personally loved that. I personally loved that comment. That is so raw and so real. And Book has no idea that everybody else wants to talk about. Oh, it's only five games. We've only had five games with each other. We've only had five games with each other. And Booker is saying, no, we should know. And the reason why this is really important is basketball is an extremely free-flowing game. And every defense is going to take something away. Well, there's an immediate counter to what they've taken away. Okay, you've taken away this. So now in this set, the action is boom, go do this. And what's clearly happening with the Suns is that second action it's still being thought out. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to go here. Oh, I'm, I'm holding on too long to see if the first action is going to happen. Now I'm finally doing it. Oh, when I start and create the second action, the, my counterpart, like if I'm coming over for a DHO, I'm not, DHO is dribble handoff, I'm not having somebody then create action with me. And, and it's just, it's clunky. Now suddenly, what do you get? Seven seconds left on the on the shot clock, and we are forced into a Bradley Beal crazy 19-footer that just happens to go in. But that's what's happening right now with the Suns. And I like the accountability from Booker where he says, no, no, it's not because it's been only five games together. We should have this by now. That's what practice is all about. That's what walkthroughs are all about. It doesn't matter if you're hurt. You should still know every aspect of the offense, whether you're hurt or not. And it seems clunky and slow. Not just a case where there's a chemistry issue. It looks like there's a case of a knowledge issue. That's where it's inexcusable. Um, Booker, you only had two shots in the fourth quarter. What happened? I was playing off the ball some, and you know, they're denying me, which opens up more space for everybody else. So, you know, 
I'll take that every time. I don't want you to take that every time. You're Devin freaking Booker. Devin, if it's that easy to take you out of the game, everybody's going to do it. If it's that, if, if that, if, hey, we overplay stuff and now Devin Booker gets two shots a game, everybody will take that. No matter how good you think your teammates are, Kevin Durant's the only one that's hit more clutch shots than you have. The only one. You can't let the defense dictate that to you like that. And Frank Vogel, if you aren't, if your plays aren't one that if they overplay Devin Booker, we can't get Book the ball back. There's a problem. Either Booker, and I've been talking about this for about a month now, either Booker has got to get more like Steph Curry and get rid of the ball just to get it back and keep moving, or Frank Vogel must change up those counters to make sure the ball gets back into Booker's hands before there's six seconds left on the shot clock. This is terribly flawed right now if Booker's answer is legit. If all it takes is to overplay Booker a little bit, he gets rid of the ball, and now he only has two shots in the fourth quarter. That's bad basketball. Lastly from Book, um, this one kind of interested me because – it can be really a simple answer. Dana Scott, friend of the program. You know what? we got to have Dana Scott on this week because of how bad the Suns are in the fourth quarter. Arizona Republic, Suns beat reporter, was a- asked Booker the question about the end of the third quarter. Because it was a close game, and then the Suns went on a great run to end the third, and that's what gave them the 11-point lead that they blew in the fourth quarter. Booker was asked about what was positive about the way the third quarter ended. What were the things that you guys were doing that created the lead? Just defending, um, communication. You know, I know I say that after every game, but, you know, it's night and day, uh, you know, the, day, the games that we went and we're playing well, The how high the communication is to, you know, when we're losing or a team goes on a run, so... You know, if we're down 10 or up 10, I think the talking still has to remain the same. I That one interests me a lot because when, when I talked earlier about Devin Booker not being as good of a defender as he was, I don't know if he wants to say this, but does he actually miss DeAndre Ayton? Aiton, later on in his time with the Suns, did start doing a better job communicating. It was weird where D.A. would be engaged and communicate as the big man. The rim protector, that's your job. It's kind of like being the, the safety on defense in basketball in, or in football in which you're calling everything out as you see it. The coverages, the protections, things like that. Well, not the protections, but but you're seeing everything and you are dictating to the rest of the team, this is what we're doing. And it's kind of similar with a center of they're doing that. And Aiton got decent, pretty good at the communication part. What would be crazy is he would then drift mentally in the middle of the possession. 
<laughs> in the middle of the other team having the ball, after getting a lot of things right mentally, it was almost like D.A. said, okay, I'm good here. And then, oh, no, my guy got the rebound. Or that famous shot of D.A. standing on the baseline, jumping up and down, cheering for Kevin Durant to do something on the glass when it's three-on-one against KD and eight and everything. You know, I should go help. It's just, there's just, there's no fire in that young man at all. Well, now Booker's talking about the communication, and I'm wondering, is he staring down Nurkic? Is he not getting the communication he needs, and that's why his one-on-one skills aren't as good? He's struggling to find where the screen is coming from? I don't know. But, D-Book, when you say that, and you could be nails on this, but when you say that, I got to hear you talking about the amount of times you're letting people get offensive rebounds. That's on you. There's no communication about, hey, Book, there's a guy running around you because you're watching the flight of the ball or staring at the rim. That's that's not anybody's job to communicate, D-Book. That's your job to go hit somebody. So I would like to hear you say that, but everything you said was nails. That was a real interesting statement of the problems of this team defensively. And then again, keep repeating it. The Pistons are laughing at the Suns right now. The lowest scoring team in the fourth quarter in the entire NBA. That's terrible. Suns Clippers tonight stay in L.A. for two or three days. They're not coming back to Phoenix. Play the Lakers in the same building on Thursday night. This is kind of an interesting week to me for the Suns. You have the embarrassing first quarter against the Clippers the last time they played, but they didn't have the big three playing. Now you should have Harden, Paul, George, and Kawhi Leonard against KD, Beal, and Book. See how that goes. And then see what kind of good practice time they get on the road. This is not something that happens a lot. You don't get a lot of road, good road practices in. Because at home... You get some good practices in, but, man, you're focused on a lot of other things, okay? I got I got this going on in my life. I've got to meet this person over here. I've got this shoot over here. I've got all of these things going on at home. On the road, it's just, it's just basketball. Now, sometimes you're a little bit of a star, and you might have stuff going on in L.A., but for the most part, you've got three days after tonight's game – Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the game on Thursday night, you're going to have, I would assume it would be Wednesday, a really good practice day to get in some hard movement and to be able to push guys a little bit and be able to work on some of this stuff when your only focus is basketball. Maybe they come out of this little stretch here playing better basketball. I can't remember whether they play at Portland or home against Portland at uh, after this, but it's two games in L.A., and then I remember that Portland is up next. But sorry, I don't remember where that game is. All right, coming up next. I got a little bit of college hoop to talk about with the performance of ASU and, uh, and U of A, and then I want to keep my eye on any more NFL news that's coming up, plus Steve uh, McCollum and the main event. We'll join us in a couple minutes, and we got versus Vegas. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about. 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. I can't imagine being a Seahawk fan today when you're not in the playoffs because of strength of victory. Now, hey, you knew coming in. I mean, there's like I don't really feel that terrible for you. You knew you knew coming up. First of all, it's Seattle. I never feel terrible for Seattle. And then the Seahawks knew they needed to get some wins and they embarrassed themselves against Pittsburgh, blowing that game. They had a four-game losing streak in the middle of the year. But granted, they played decent teams uh, then. But that loss, just killer to Pittsburgh at home. Yet, strength of victory. Because Green Bay's opponents were better this year than your opponents, you're not going to the playoffs. That's <laughs> that's tough to swallow a little bit. That. Is there a bet? I mean, I don't know of a better tiebreaker. I'm fine with the order. It's head to head number one, conference record no- number two, record against common opponents number three. Okay, fine. Whoever's record is against harder teams, that means it was harder for you to win nine games than it was for the other team to win nine games. So, Green Bay, congratulations. But, real, you know, the real congratulations goes to Jordan Love. The Packers quarterback, all the crap that he had been taking. Uh, let's quickly get to uh, college hoop a little bit. Give me a Tommy Lloyd, if you would. Number one from Tommy Lloyd. I like his attitude. Um, Larson and Ballo both crossed 1,000 points uh, this year uh, or in their career. Listen to how thrilled Tommy Lloyd is about it. Well, they're good. The 1,000-point thing for me, guys, is like for one, just real simple. I'm not a big birthday guy. You know, like, like it's, I'm sorry. I mean, it's the other day. And I'm, I'm not a big milestone guy with basketball. Like, like, I just don't think you play for those things. And, and you know, I'm really proud of those guys for getting it. But listen, they both, um, whether they have 999 points or 1,001 are really good players and they're great guys. And I love having them here. And, you know, I mean, you know, I thought about it a couple of days ago. You almost get emotional, you know, like, you know, Pella took a chance on me. He did. I mean, I hadn't won a game, hadn't coached a game. And he was getting recruited by, you know, Kansas and, and us and, you know, and it was a battle. And, and he he put faith in us and he came here and, and, and we're lucky. Well, I mean, Arizona's lucky and I'm lucky that he did. And, and, oh, you know, I mean, he was obviously going through some tough times. He and I were together. And, and for him to be able to flip it like this, I don't think anybody three years ago would have said, you know, Umar Ballo would score 1,000 points because he, I mean, at Gonzaga, I don't know how many, he didn't score many. 60. 
So, so 940 points at Arizona, and you know it ain't easy to score a thousand points in your career in college, and he's going to do it in three years. So it's pretty special. So I'm, I'm really, really, really proud of him, and he's a great guy, and and he's a, he's a force. U of A fans, I've told you this before. I will root against your two head coaches every day. I want Tommy Lloyd to lose every game. I want Jed Fish to lose every game. The fan in me, but the quote-unquote analyst wannabe knowledgeable person who's pretending to know something. Um, man, you've got good coaches. You, I love that. I don't care that you scored 1,000 points. Did we win? Yes, good. Next game. I love that attitude. And I do think players exude that, especially in today's day and age where, man, like people, the stupid bumper stickers, my kid's an honor roll student. Over, I don't care. I don't care. Sorry. Congratulations to your kid. Put it on the fridge. I don't care. I, I like, I like, I love Tommy Lloyd's attitude. Um, I got some Bobby Hurley stuff too, but I'm running late. So sorry, Jeff Weir Production, for all the work that you and Izzy did. But I please save those for tomorrow because the thing Bobby Hurley said was really interesting yelling at the fans to get mad at him over something. I can't wait to talk about that tomorrow after we talk Suns and Clippers. Right now, we're joined by Steve McCollum. He is the host of the main event. He's here every weekday morning from 8 to 10. How was uh, how was your day yesterday at the game? It was good. No complaints. Noah, uh, did you did you believe that there was going to be redemption from uh, Matt Prater on that kick? Well, I mean... Uh, or do you think it's Cardinals? No, I mean, uh, first of all, yeah, that's that's dumb. Uh, the second <laughs> thing. Uh, no, I mean, you think Matt Prater's going to make that. There's no yeah. reason for you not to think it. So much so that when he missed that first one, we all thought he was going to make it. So we're all like, all right, cool, we got 10-point lead. Yeah, there's no way he's going to miss two. Yeah, and then the second one, you know, you know he's going to make it. It's a complete fluke of what happened, but... You know, hey, it's uh, you couldn't, you didn't get the win. So red zone offense for the Cardinals continues to be crappy. You blame Kyler, it's play calling, man. That play calling is atrocious when they get in that twenty yard line. It has got awful. It sucks horribly. I don't know what other adjectives to use. Then uh, I don't know what happens to Penzing when he gets in that within that twenty yard line. But it is god awful play calling. Period. End of story. I think you can adjust. I think you can blame both. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, when I go, when I look when at Kyler, I'm not. How's Kyler, when, when a chef is given crappy ingredients, how do you expect him to make a, uh, well, you know, a prestige cat cake when he's given crap? I look at, like, if I'm looking at all of the plays from the red zone, I think the majority of them I would look at Petsing. But when I was looking at one play and I'm looking at Kyler, you, I can't blame Petsing. If, if there's two open receivers and Kyler doesn't throw it to him, well, Trey, Trey, Trey should have made that catch. It hit him right in the hip. Oh, that, it, that, yeah. Hit I him mean, right in the hip. It I'm went not, right through his hands, hit his hip, and bounced off. He should have made that catch. I think it would have been, I think he should have made the catch, but I still look at Kyler and say, why throw a duck when everybody knows that ball's got to be at the pylon? So if he now, caught, so if he caught it, you would have been, uh, you know, you would have been, uh, oh, great play. No, I'm kind of still more concerned of, this goes to your petsing point. I'll probably never know the answer to this question, but I am dying to know, is Kyler coached to keep his eye on Rondale Moore in motion, and that's the first read, yeah. and he chose to ignore it, and then what were you seeing on why you ignored it, or is he not coached to do that? And then I kind of look at Drew, 
Why why is a right-handed quarterback with the fastest receiver that he's got not following that motion in, in that zone coverage? That, that That's just weird to me, but I, I admit I, I'll probably never know the answer. Well, no, because we're not in the locker room. Uh, but, um, I mean, Rondell Moore and Kyler don't have a, don't have a good uh, setup this year, man. You're they right. weren't on the You're same right. page. You're right. So why would you look at Rondell Moore when Rondell Moore hasn't been part of this offense since Kyler came back? Very rarely has he been involved. Mm-hmm. He's got more trust in Wilson, more trust in Trey, more trust in uh, – uh, holy cow, I just forgot his name, the other tight end. Uh, why would he look at Rondell Moore going into motion? And, man, Kyler is great at those ball fakes. Because you're right, those linebackers stepped up. Yes, you see it did. all game long. He hands that ball. But it, this is also goes to James Conner and Carter uh, out there as well, that when Kyler fakes that handoff, everybody bites, Yeah, yeah uh, which yeah. leaves it to Kyler to find those open guys. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What else did you see? Uh, this because I'm wondering is the off. I don't think the offense is going to get dramatically better personnel wise because there's so many holes. on oh, granted, you got so much salary cap space. Yeah, and, and deep, they should fit but draft. Man, every, do they need help on defense? Every defensive player, uh, every spot should be a defensive draft pick. Period. End of story. <laughs> period. End of story. Uh, this offense is okay, folks. Yeah. It's not. It's going to win you a lot of games. Uh, it, it, you got to stop the other team. Period. End of story. It's. Uh, it's not. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, it's from defensive line to linebackers to in the Zaven Collins experience uh, experiment probably needs to end. Doesn't mean you cut him, but you got to find something for him because it's awful. Uh, secondary look, but here's the other thing: a lot of rookies got playing time this year, so you're going to see huge improvement going into next year. They just don't have depth. Yeah. So when you take somebody out of that defense, the person that goes in is bad. Offensive line yesterday, give them credit, man. With uh, DJ being out, they they protected Kyler like you wouldn't believe yesterday. That was fantastic to watch. I am wondering, and I, I, I don't know the answer to this, because it's like one of those things where I'm in denial and I don't want it to be true. <laughs> Kyler's good, Doug. You just have oh, to no, accept that's, it. That's not it. You have to accept it. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, he is good. <laughs> I think he's average. Um, is Buddha has not had a great year. No, and he struggled yesterday. And he struggled yesterday. And yet I want to, this is what I'm in denial about, I want to blame the other 10 guys. You know, I want to say, <laughs> what else do you want from him? You know, how is he going to, but at the same time, he, please God, I hope he's not old. Please See, God, I um, hope this hasn't taken, I, this, that's, it really worries me, Yeah, this, this is my take on Buddha. Uh, he got old. I, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I, I want you to be wrong desperately. No, I, I don't I've, know if you are, though. Yeah, I've seen him at home, in person. Um, he's able to get to the spots the same, but now he's missing the open field tackles. He's not hitting with the same. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like he's hesitant. He's not hitting with the same force he hit with before. Uh, he got injured a lot when he would hit, especially later in the season. Uh, no, I have a bad, a bad feeling that we've seen. Uh, the Buddha of old is uh, unfortunately uh, going to be gone moving forward. Hopefully I'm wrong, but you could see it. And the worst part yesterday was they put up how he's the pro bowler and everybody cheered and clapped next play. He missed a, a tackle <laughs> that he would have made every other season and wow. he would have nailed the guy and he just whiffed on it. Ugh. And uh, it was just like, and I go, oh, there's our, there's our pro there's our pro bowl uh tackler right there and it's uh i just yeah, it's unfortunate but it's i have a feeling that's the case yeah. your theory on why the suns are 30th in scoring in the fourth quarter uh well uh the worst part to me is uh there's something going on because devin booker is refusing to shoot these days you can blame double teaming all the time you can blame double teaming you can blame all that stuff, but he's not even trying to shoot, mm-hmm. in the, especially in the fourth quarter last night. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and um, I don't know. At that fourth quarter, it, that is when your superstars should step up. Doesn't matter that Kevin Durant's out, whatever. Uh, you know, whatever the story or Beal's out, whatever. Booker and the other superstars should be able to hit shots in the fourth, and they're not. And that's the problem. It's an interesting point by you because here's what's strange. Um, remember how bad the Robert Sarver sons are with Devin Booker. And everybody knows Devin Booker's taking every shot yes. in the fourth quarter, and he was able to shoot. So if every yep. – I mean, there's nobody else on the floor that you're worried about with Devin Booker out there. Mm -hmm. And now with all of the well, – I just say all, it's all, but Grayson Allen's hot yeah, right now. Yeah. So you don't want to let him have an open three. KD and Bradley Beal were once stars. Yep. And yet – so you don't want them getting off. There's no reason for it to be that easy yeah. to take the ball out of Booker's hands. Uh, is Booker hurt is the question. Okay. I, I, you know what? I actually hope that's it because yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to think about the alternative. Well, he rolled his ankle last night. Don't forget, yeah. I mean, he rolled yeah. it and then uh, kept playing. So I mean, was that a reason why? I mean, that's hopefully that's the reason to explain it. But um, the other side is that you. Ha I I'm going to question at this point. Frank Vogel in this defensive scheme he's trying to implement that they're not going through with is it making them think too much? And then by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they're tired, they're worn out, and their shots are. Sh if you notice, their shots are short in the fourth quarter yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. which tells you conditioning and is his uh, defense causing those problems. Hey, have a good show. Steve McCollum. Joined by Super Bowl champion Dale Hellestrike. Coming up 8 to 10 this morning and then immediately followed by iOS, Izzy on Sports. And that show gives us six hours of local sports programming each and every weekday morning, 6 to noon, right here on WTSMTV.com. And if you ever miss anything, if you're a basic member, you get to watch it all on demand. Live member, you get both. Watch it live, and then if you get distracted, you get busy, a meeting comes up, whatever, you can always go back and watch it on demand. And then premium members, you always have an opportunity to get both and win fabulous prizes. Versus Vegas now. Had one of my best weekends ever, so I'm pretty happy. I'm on a 7-0 heater. However, one of them, I have to say however, one of them goes all the way back. Thank you, Matt Prater. At the beginning of the year, I took Cardinals under the four and a half. Haven't accumulated that win or loss yet, and the missed field goal gave me the win. So I put that in my category of going 5-0 and yesterday. So I went 2-0 and on Thursday, 5-0 and yesterday, if you count the uh, four-win season for the Cardinals. But officially over the weekend, I went 4-0 and and pretty happy did not have the guts. I never would have had the guts to do this. And then you know how it is when the game's over. You're like, oh, man, I wish I would have done that. I took Orlando plus the nine and a half against Denver. I'm thinking the Magic are going to come in there. Denver's on the back end of a back-to-back, -back, an emotional win over Golden State. Orlando's a lot better than people realize. They're jacked up for the game. Denver isn't. And I, I thought... This has all the makings for Orlando to have like a fourth quarter lead, but then Denver to beat them, but not to beat them enough to overcome a nine and a half point spread. So I got the game right with a nine and a half point spread, but it was average juice. It was something like minus 130. I don't remember what the juice would have been if I would have run with Orlando on the money line. 
Now, it's dumb for me to think about. I would have never had the courage to take Orlando on the money line. Yet, as soon as you get an Orlando upset, I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I take Orlando on the money line? Uh, I took uh, Winnipeg minus the one and a half against uh, Anaheim on Friday night. Got that, barely. Winnipeg won three to one. And then I had two NFL games yesterday that both hit. I really liked the Texans against the Colts, minus one and a half. I didn't drop the love on there, but I thought they're so much better than the Colts, and it's only a point and a half. So I took the Texans. They won by four, 23-19. So they did cover for me. And then I I can't believe I got this one right because this was about as ugly as it gets. Tampa Bay needed to win to make the playoffs. They're playing one of the most atrocious NFL teams in history. And they only win nine to nothing. Wow, is that bad. However, the spread was four and a half. I took Tampa Bay minus the four and a half. They win with uh, the nine to nothing score. I get the cover. So when you include the Cardinals under four wins, I went five and zero oh yesterday. That brings me to 1073, 975, and eight. In looking up and down all of the games of today, there's only one I'm looking at. And you know what? If the Suns are going to play this crappy in the fourth quarter and not really connect through heart, hustle, defense, the things that I get attracted to, I'll go for blood money. I'm, I'm going for blood money today. I hate to admit it to you. But the Clippers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I was hoping it was three-and-a-half. But it's five and a half right now. And with Steve McCollum's very good point, maybe Booker sits out the back end of a back-to-back. Probably not because you'll have to, well, it's not like Matt Ishmia cares about a fine. So maybe they don't take the fine. It's not a national TV game. They might be okay to rest Booker tonight. We'll see what happens. But I don't like the way the Suns are playing. I realize they're going to come out guns a-blazing because they feel like they owe the Clippers one. But the Clippers are also on the back end of a back-to-back. Both teams played last night. Clippers lost against L.A. Suns blew it against Memphis. This seems to me the advantage of L.A. being able to play at home. Technically, last night, the Clippers were on the road. But guess where they were on the road to? They were at the Lakers. They were in the same building. So they've got the advantage of a home back-to-back. Granted, it's only a 45-minute flight, hour flight, but Suns had to travel. I like the Clippers tonight, minus the 5.5. I would really rather take the Clippers on the money line, but the juice, I think, is like minus 210. I forget what it is, but the juice is obnoxious on the money line, so I didn't touch it. I'll take the Clippers minus the 5.5 and and be a little nervous, hoping to hold on. Thanks to all the sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged. You can go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and become a Whirlwind Plus member. Parker and Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. When's the last time we talked about Parker and Sons heating? But if this is the first time you're turning on your heater this week, it could be a mess. You might have some problems. Trust Parker. 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. The first ever sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass is Bell's Nashville Kitchen. They're located on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale, just about 50 feet east of the um, intersection with Scottsdale Road. That's it. 
right there in Old Town. It'll be on your left if you're headed eastbound. Very easy to find at home of the best sandwich in all of Arizona, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. I've got lunch there this week. I've got lunch at 100 Mile Brewing Company this week, so I got good fun. And then, of course, I'm going out to the west side with a friend to be able to have happy hour with him this week, so I'm excited about that. Got a lot going on this week. Thanks a lot to Rosati's, the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged, but only the location that's in Chandler. And then never forget 100 Mile Brewing Company, home of A Mountain Amber Ale, best beer in the state of Arizona. And here's Jeff Weir Productions' favorite. Seven locations on the east side. The best burrito you will ever have in your life. The breakfast burrito at Burrito Express. Oh, yeah. Give them a follow at Burrito EXP. Even if you're an out-of-towner and you can't get to Burrito Express, follow them at uh, Burrito EXP and use hashtag Unplugged Army to let them know that you're a big supporter. And I know Angel will absolutely love that. Coming up next is the main event with Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestrate. I cannot wait to do something magical today. Take a nap. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow.